Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Instagram, IGJHood, also on Snapchat, SnapJHood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studio. the program tonight we will hear from jesse rogers who covers the cubs for espn.com we'll talk to him coming up at 7 35 also we'll have one question you know some people don't have time for a full interview but they do have time for one question we'll have that for you at 7 50 summer football an hour from now we celebrate the great game of football every single night since june we've been giving you quality football conversation Fantasy football, college football, pro football. Tonight we'll hear from Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN.com. We'll hear from my partner on the weekends, part of Dickerson and Hood, coming up at 8 o'clock as we talk about the Bears and their first preseason game. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Also, Chris Bleck will stop by, my partner on the NBA podcast that we do every year. It's the NBA podcast for the love of the pod. You know, the NBA schedule was released. By the way, not only the NBA schedule, but also... Also, the 2020 Major League Baseball schedule released on the same day. Yeah, baseball just continues to be the I Love Lucy of sports, just behind the times. NBA schedule release, we knew when it was coming, and here's Major League Baseball creeping in with their 2020 schedule to see all, all the rainouts and the snowouts in March and April. We'll get to that uh, with Chris Black coming up at 935. Also, we always try to figure out, Who's the pettiest of the sports weekend? Some look for the funniest thing of the sports weekend, the weirdest thing of the sports weekend. We look for the petty on this program. That's why we have the pettiest story of the sports weekend with Petty Junction. Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Yeah. We put the pettiest people on the petty train, and we do that uh, in our 9 o'clock hour as well. And playing time for your thoughts as well, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Hope that you enjoyed your weekend and your Monday. Hope that you enjoy your Monday night. So I keep you company until 10 o'clock. Then it's Dan Lebetard and Stu Gotts right here on ESPN 1000. Good to be back with you. 
Spent a lot of time uh, with Freddie Coleman on the network side doing ESPN Radio last week. A little time away from the program. Going to be back in the chair with you this week, next week, and for the foreseeable future until a vacation uh, because we got to get ready for Bears. So, <laughs> but for right now, we got stuff to talk about here. So let's start, Eric, about let's get in the mood for the football. Let's, let's talk about the Bears here. So you ever notice that you might be the most sports, like sportsy person in your family, the one with the sports knowledge? You ever go to a family reunion around family and there might be some people that really not in the sports, but they know you are right. You're the sports person in the family. You're the sports person in the circle. And they come to you and they say, what's going on with the Bears this year? Well, I'm thinking that if you're watching the Bears closely in 2019, there are three things that you're saying about the Bears. Either all three or one of these three, right? Someone that doesn't watch the team. But you're watching it because you're reading about it. You're listening to ESPN 1000. You're checking out your blogs, checking out your social media about the latest on the Bears, right? One of three things you're saying. You're saying, well, we want to find out what Mitch Trubisky is. You might be saying, boy, that defense is ready like it was last year. Or the popular thing that even non-sports people know about is the special teams. What's up with the kicker with the Bears? It's one of those three things. Because as much as I've talked about the Bears in the spring and the summer, we've only talked about three different things with the Bears. And us those three things. So when it comes to Trubisky, that's number one for me. Because you gotta figure out what you are offensively as a football team before you can move forward and think that the Bears are destined for the Super Bowl. If you watch this NFL and look across the landscape of the National Football League. It is about having a quarterback, whether it's a young quarterback, old quarterback, somewhere in the middle, that can be able to increase your chances of getting to the mountaintop in the NFL. The NFC is so fluid. There's always a different champion in the NFC over the last, say, dozen years. There's someone different every year. And so when I look at what's happening with this Bears team, You've got to be able to get it now because you don't know what tomorrow brings, right? On the surface, if I asked you, what do you think of the Bears? Well, it's a little what you probably told me five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Man, that defense is strong because that's what we grew up with. I mean, everyone that's listening right now knows a strong defense from the Bears. You can't find too many Bears defensive teams and defensive units that weren't strong, that didn't bring something to the table. And so we know from Akeem Hicks to Bilal Nichols to Khalil Mack to Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, Kyle Fuller, Clinton Dix, all these guys, Eddie Jackson, Amukamara, up and down the line, you know there's quality. But offensively speaking, you're wondering about Mitch Trubisky. And not only am I wondering about Mitch Trubisky, but also the coaching staff is too. I watched my share of preseason football. Over the last couple of days. Not full games. I'm not crazy. I didn't have any bet on the game, okay? So I'm not watching all four quarters of exhibition football because we know what it is, right? It's a glorified practice with a lot of fans in a stadium watching their team. And, and I think there's value in that. It's value to be on the field taking on someone else instead of your own team, number one. And number two, exhibition football is there to get the fan base involved, letting them know the season's here. But here's what happened at the lakefront. Bears take on Carolina, right? Handoff, handoff, handoff. 
headset for Trubisky. Now, here's the thing about the Bears. We talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. So I saw a number of quarterbacks that had some issues offensively, but they were out there for two series. Kyler Murray was out there for a couple of series with Arizona, and I know the Cardinals aren't going anywhere, but they showed RPO on their first game. I saw that. And again, just the first quarter, because if I'm going to go through the NFL network and I just see, oh, it's the first quarter, let me take a look, see if some starters are out there, and then I'm done with it. I don't need to watch the third and fourth quarter. But here's the thing if you are the Bears. You've got nothing to hide. Everyone has their opinion on Mitch Trubisky. And it's not awful. A lot of it's in the middle. A lot of it is, I'm not sure. A lot of it is, I'm not sure if this kid gets it or not. Now, you can be the most optimistic Bears fan in the world. And it's nothing wrong with that because you see what the Bears did last year. New head coach, more of a commitment to winning. You see what the Bears were able to do to go all in, pushing their chips in the middle of the table to get Khalil Mack. So there is some seriousness about winning. But here's the thing. It's 2019, and as cool as it is for this Bears defense to be strong, the offense has to be able to pull up their weight too. They got to be able to do it too. So when I see Mitch Trubisky hand the ball off, it makes me think, is he going to play in the Giants game? Is he playing in preseason game number two? Is he not doing it? And is, is Nagy holding him back because... Trubisky doesn't get it yet, or is it because they're trying to hide something? It's the NFL. You can't hide anything. You, you know what's happening here, right? Either Trubisky can get the ball down the field, and he's got a connection with his targets like Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Wims and Patterson when they play and, and some of the other ones, Marvin Hall. Either he has a connection with them or he doesn't. And can I tell you, like, even though he's running like Lamar Jackson – that doesn't say NFC repeat Northern, North champion. That doesn't say that's a division champion and a repeat. It just doesn't. This is why Vegas was a little bit down on the Bears, too. Saying, ah, Bears could be 9-7, and 10-6. And 10-6 and 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 is fine. It still gives you the playoffs. But nothing happens positively for this Bears team unless we know the offense is right. So we're going to hear from Jeff Dickerson coming up in the next hour, but I want to take you back to Carmen and Yurko earlier. J.D. was talking about how the coaches got on players yesterday, uh, especially regarding the offense. Matt Nagy uh, did tell us after practice that yesterday's practice uh, was a day where the coaches really got on some of the players. And if you need a second source to confirm that, I can confirm that. (laughs) It was for the last day in Bourbonnais. This wasn't guys waking up, shaking off their hangovers the night before, right? This wasn't like the quarterback smoking cigarettes. Uh, this was a real practice. They didn't have full pads on, but it was as um, intense of a practice that I can remember. Now, again, we're there every day with, with you know, 8,000 fans, so you can't hear everything like you can when there's no one in there. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that um, offensively, it was not a good day for the Bears. Mm-hmm. I think that's safe to say that um, offensively, they really struggled. Uh, the defense really imposed their will. And the offensive coaches uh, let the players know about that hmm. in those exact words. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, again, training camp, okay, this practice, preseason, whatever. But I, I do think that uh, I think the coaching staff is going to want more from the offense starting tomorrow 
when they're back at Hallis Hall. They're fine. They get it. They've uh, they've seen coaches uh, get on them before. That's not, it's not a first time. Uh, they react well and. Um, they're, they're all, again, I'm going to always revert back to when you have high character people, they can, they can handle that. If you have a bunch of, um, bad people or turds, they don't. And, uh, <laughs> and we don't have turds on this team. Tempo was good, but just some, again, mental exhaustion, I think right now from the guys in regards to, uh, getting in and out of the huddle, kind of normal, but we expect, you know, a little bit better at times. So we'll see where, uh, where we're at when we get back to Hallis with practice and, um, it's good to, to I think that the other thing too is just seeing how our guys react to a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, frustration from the coaching staff at times and that's always good so and they, and they understand so we'll put the tape on and go from there we don't have turds on this team you heard the train in the background while Matt Nagy was speaking hopefully that train isn't the schedule for the Bears coming at that offense Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app so you heard what J.D. had to say. We'll hear more from Jeff coming up in an hour from now, right here on ESPN 1000. But talking about the team showing mental fatigue, you talking about the offense. Players can handle hard coaching. That was something because the media, it was a close practice, but the media that was there could hear Nagy get after it. And you know what? I get it. Because you want to have results, and you want to make sure this offense understands. And when I say this offense, I mean Mitch Trubisky, that he gets it and he he understands. See, again, I understand, like you understand, that there was some cutler fatigue in the city. After a while, you're like, okay, so when will it turn around for this Bears team offensively? When will they be able to get a quarterback in here that's not Jay Cutler? The indifference of Jay Cutler, the underachievement of Jay Cutler, it's its time, right? You're looking for something different, something new. So the Bears did what they did best, and that is to mortgage the future for something right now by putting Mitch Trubisky in place. Now, as a college football fan, I saw Trubisky at North Carolina, and he was only out there for 12, 13 games, and nothing really stood out. But if you have the right coaching, Trubisky can be coached up to be a really good quarterback in this league. I didn't say Patrick Mahomes. I said a very good quarterback. So you don't have the short thing coming out of college, but you draft it and you trade it up for Mr. Trubisky like this guy is going to be something very special. I just will tell you that in 2019, just a, eh, okay, quarterback won't be good enough. Strong defense is great, but you have to have someone that is not afraid to get down the field. As I've said many times about the Bears after the season was over, I said, and I was very fair, I thought, to Trubisky last year. Eric, you remember this because people would wonder, like, what do you think of Trubisky? And in every year or after every game, people were making their judgment on Trubisky. And, And my thought was, okay, I will judge Trubisky at the end of the year. And I think that that's just fair. See what he does at the end of the year. And then my thought was, I just thought that he's still learning. And so when you hear from Nagy talking about the mental fatigue, talking about players and, you know, and, and all that, and say he doesn't have any turds on the team, all that stuff, that's great. And you could talk about what Trubisky could be, but it, really it's the NFL. It's, it's, it's not what he could be. It's what he needs to be right now because you are trying to get this done now while Khalil Mack is upright, while Akeem Hicks is getting a job done defensively, while you do have weapons. This isn't like last year or last couple of years where the Bears didn't have quality talent offensively. See, last year you could say, well, Trubisky, who's he going to throw to? Or the last couple of years, who, no, who is who's the standout offensively for the Bears? Okay, so you got guys now. 
you know, you don't have pedestrian receivers. You've got weapons, including having someone in the backfield like Tariq Cohen as a running back on this team, and then David Montgomery as well. A, a few notes from the game, and again, just watching the first half, and the rest of it was like background noise. I mean, it was nice to hear from Amin and Miller just kind of break down. Bear, but I'm not, I don't have the pen and yellow pad out looking at the second half because it doesn't matter to me. Because it, and another reason why it doesn't matter to me, by the way, is because it's one of the few years that you watch the Bears and the roster is pretty much set outside of who the hell the kicker is. <laughs> like defensively, you know, the, the Bears might lose a good wide receiver because of depth issues, uh, offensive line strong. So, yeah, it's one of those few things where it's not like fourth quarter, let's take a look who's going to win the battle. Right now, you're worried about the kicker. Um, but the three handoffs to Trubisky. Does he even play in the Giants game? Does he play more than just a, a, a series? We've we'll, we got to keep our eyes on that. Because if he doesn't, are you hiding something? Is he not ready? That's a big question mark. And, and by the way, last preseason, just to talk about this year versus last year, last preseason, Trubisky had 40 snaps, 18 attempted passes. That was just in two games. It wasn't even a whole bunch of games, just the two games of the preseason. And at the time, I remember... Gosh, it was like a Friday night. I think it was Chris and Adam was in for me, and that announcement came that the, none of the starters are going to play at Soldier Field. And people were pissed about it. Like, like how do you not – like, it's going to be sold out. Everyone's there to see what this offense looks like, and then, like, no Trubisky, none of the starters. That wasn't, that wasn't good for some Bears fans, so I get it. Because of the excitement, because there's passion, because you care about the Bears. That's why you want to see these guys, and you want to feel good about the upcoming season. So I mentioned three things, right? A lot of it's on the quarterback. The defensive stability, we talked about how that depth chart, you look up and down the line and even some of the backups. I thought Kutkowski played very well. I thought that he was all over the field. I thought that uh, Bush in the secondary, you need someone besides uh, uh, Eddie Jackson and Clinton Dix and Fuller and Buster Screen to be able to make some moves and, and make some plays. I thought Deion Bush solidified himself nicely. I thought he did a nice job out there in the, in the first half of the game uh, against the Carolina Panthers. So that defense, I think, is ready to go. I know there's question marks that the defense will take a step back because a coach isn't there. Well, it all depends on how you look at coaches, right? There will be some that will look at coaching and say that coaching is it's overrated. You know, It's all really off to the players. Then you see Chuck Pagano coming in, a former uh, defensive coordinator with the Ravens back in 2011. That team was really good. He had, a, he had great talent, and he presided over a very strong defense for the Baltimore Ravens. So the kicker, right? So what happens with the kicker? Elliot Fry or Eddie Pinheiro? I don't know which one's going to win, and I don't care. The reason why I don't care is because... I need for someone to emerge to be able to get the job done. So it's not a story. That's all I want. Because I don't want to talk about special teams all season. We know what the problem was last year. So people are wondering across the country, like the Bears were just a kick away from maybe going further in the playoffs. Possibly so. The Bears were probably a kick away from getting uh, smashed by the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Maybe. But we'll never know, right? 
Um, some preseason takeaways from Nagy from game one against the Panthers and a loss at the lakefront. So uh, number one was I thought situationally um, at the end of the half that was that was good. Uh, I like that part. Guys got out of bounds on, on offense. Four minute, you know, we got to get a stop there when we know they're in a run mode and we, we didn't to get the ball back. Um, penalties, too many, too many penalties. But that's the preseason normally. And, and so um, I think the biggest thing now is taking what we did wrong in the first game and trying to make sure that we don't have the same mistakes in the second game. But the guys came out and they played hard. It was good to get some tackling in, which I thought we tackled well, all things considered. We, we didn't do a whole bunch of live this camp. But the times that we were out there and guys had one-on-one tackles in open space, they did well. I thought Deion Bush played really well, um, just particularly just thinking of, you know, off the top of my head. You know, those are just happy fans you can hear at Bourbon A, right, in the la- during the last practice. Uh, that's going to be a torch-wielding mob if things don't turn around offensively for this team. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm on record here. I don't want you to go away from this segment thinking that Jonathan Hood believes that the offense stinks. I don't want you to you, – you will think – listen, it's 2019. You can think what you want. I, I could tell you that the Bears are going to the Super Bowl, and you'll think I said 5-11. and 11. So it, it doesn't matter. This is where we are. I, 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 could, I could tell you that, that the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl the next five years, and you say, they're going to fire, you said they're going to fire Nagy. What the hell's wrong with this guy? Didn't say that. But you, you listen to what you want to hear, okay? Here's what Jonathan Hood is saying about the offense. Jonathan Hood, me – is saying that the offense has room for improvement because I know what else is in the pipeline in the NFC. That's what I'm saying. The Bears could have one of the best defenses in the NFC and still underachieve. By the way, that was last year where the offense was good, and but just good enough to be able to get to the first round of the playoffs. And it was more than just the kick miss. It could have been better offensively. But there were signs from Trubisky that really stood out to me that I thought were positives. And they're building blocks. It's a young quarterback. He just, but it, it, you have to accelerate the learning curve in today's NFL. We don't, I don't think that you and I have five or seven years to wait to see whether or not Trubisky can be the man or not. Kansas City ain't waiting. New Orleans isn't waiting. You know, the Rams aren't waiting. Take a look at the teams in the NFC that are trying to get it done. The Eagles aren't waiting. They believe Wentz, Wentz could win the MVP. He very, he very, he could, he's right there in the running. They're 14 to 1 odds to be able to win the Super Bowl overall. They're not waiting. They don't have a timeline. Well, we got to find out. We got to wait. Uh uh-uh. uh. Now. Now. And it's it, what it's about, Eric. This Bears roster, if you're a GM in the NFL, this is where you want to be. They have a stacked roster. They threw money at Mack, they threw money at Hicks, they threw Prince Mukamara money. They've got a great roster because they've got their quarterback on a rookie contract mm-hmm. still. So that's why Trubisky, we can't wait to see if he's going to get better. He needs to be better because as soon as he's up for a contract, the roster gets worse. So he needs to be good now, not hoping he's going to progress this season. Listen, the same acceleration that are in cities like Boston for the Patriots and Philadelphia with the Eagles and Pittsburgh and the Steelers fans think they can win it every year okay, with Roethlisberger. Same thing in Dallas, same thing in Los Angeles, same thing in New York with the Giants and Jets, same thing here. The Bears are really good. How good can they be? I know you heard me say that they suck. That's not what I said. <laughs> Bears are very good. Now, how far can they take it? Uh, something else, too, in the NFL, the story coming across, and Kevin Winter mentioned it in the Sports Center. After Antonio Brown lost his grievance against the National Football League over wearing his old helmet, 
The Oakland Raiders received or his, his receiver should return to the team's training camp soon. Brown has also been dealing with frostbitten feet suffered by cryotherapy that mishap that took place in France last month. He has not been with the Raiders since being limited in a practice and leaving early on July 30th. Brown took to social media on Monday to address the decision. And Brown said... Brown said, while I disagree with the, the, arbitrator's, um, the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about the season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet. Well, yeah, frostbitten feet. I saw his feet. His feet were ugly. I mean, imagine sleeping next to that. You need two things as a receiver. You need good hands and good feet, and his feet are frostbitten. It was awful. If you haven't seen those, it's somewhere on my timeline at Tweet J Hood. It's pretty awful. But nonetheless, this is the same AB that said that I'm not playing because I want to play with my old helmet. And the NFL, to their credit, make sure that you record this, to the NFL, to their credit, I will say that they are doing the right thing with trying to protect the players by having new helmets. And somehow, someway, Antonio Brown wants to play with the same helmet he had from 10 years ago. Even Tom Brady doesn't like it. But keep in mind that A.B. is the only one that openly complained about having to change a helmet to the point where he said he would retire if he couldn't have his old, old helmet. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, everyone else has to change the helmet. They've got to adjust to it. But A.B. said he wanted to retire if he didn't have it, which is amazing. Uh, John Gruden, the coach for the Raiders, confident that A.B. will play this year. I, I'm not going to speculate. You know, I, I have a lot of confidence that he's one of the premier competitors I've ever been around. And I got a feeling he would play with no helmet. It's how much he loves to play. But I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth. We're going to support him. And uh, whatever his decision is, um, we'll stand by it. But we're, we're confident that he's going to be a huge factor for the Raiders for years to come frostbitten feet been a lot of reports out there i can't say i agree with all of them uh certainly but i support this guy you know i think that's what needs to be said i don't know um what anybody's writing or what anybody thinks but this, this foot injury wasn't his fault you know this was a total accident it was really wasn't his fault and it's a serious injury i know some people are smarting at it but it's really not a laughing matter the guy is is, is was hurt he was innocent he didn't do anything wrong and the helmet thing is a personal matter to him. You know, he has a strong feeling about uh, what he's worn on his head, and we're supporting him. And we understand the league's position as well, so we're in a tough spot. And we hope Antonio is back here soon because uh, he's exciting to be around. I'm excited. I got some plays for him. I hope we can start calling him. You know why he's supporting A.B.? is because they've got nothing else with the Raiders. That's why. He's got no other choice but to support him. You're you're in a you're in Oakland. You're going to move to Las Vegas soon. You have no other choice. You're the he's the only real target for Derek Carr. So you have no other choice but to support him. Of course, this is a lot more than what the Raiders wanted to deal with. As a matter of fact, I know he's got two more years left. I believe on that deal. I'm not sure if he even plays two years in Vegas when they move. Quite frankly, he, what I mean, crazy. And, like, it's no laughing matter. What, yet you didn't put socks on to cover your feet so they don't get frostbitten? It is his fault. But but there's John Gruden defending him. John Gruden, my God. Watch 
uh, here's a suggestion. Watch Hard Knocks. I saw the first one. You got to see this series. A bunch of nonsense going on there <laughs> with the Raiders. Remember, Bears fans, remember one thing. Whatever you think about your team, remember, you're not the Raiders. Jesse on the Cubs next. From your hood to J-Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll do summer of football at the top of the hour to get a chance to talk more about the Bears in their first preseason game. Let's talk Cubs now with Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. And Jesse joins us here on Under the Hood. Jesse, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Good to be with you. What's up, pal? Jesse, you know what's up. You know, I mean, it blew up the the, the Madden column from ESPN.com. You know what it is. So, I, you know, the, the one thing that you and I both know about Joe Madden is that he's a confident guy uh, and he's confident in the column that you wrote over the weekend that he feels like he could be back for 2020. What were your initial what was your initial reaction to his thoughts on 2020? Um, that I think he's confident in his team because that's the only way he can be confident in returning. I mean, uh, there's a reason he wasn't extended, right? I mean, it's it's going to be based on how things go here. Uh, I mean, I, I still think it's a result-oriented business, and I know he sort of was was saying this in a sarcastic way, that if it was just results, I'd be extended by now. But, you know, the team has every right to see this final year through and decide – on 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 his future, and I I think he thinks if if things go well, he's going to be back, and he and he is confident that things will go well. So it's kind of weird because I I don't know if he truly believes it won't come down to wins and losses because I, I think we all agree in some capacity it will. The most extreme case is him winning the World Series. Okay, he's getting extended. The the other extreme would be not getting in and finishing in third place. Well, he's probably not getting extended. So, um. I think it was his own way of saying, look, um, most of the time, if you make the postseason four years in a row, you do get an extension. So it must be about something else here. But we know that it really will probably still come down to how they finish up, if that makes sense. Jesse, you and I have been part of uh, negotiations for a, a long time in our careers. And so publicly, I believe that you're correct. But privately, with a wink and a nod, you know that's Madden saying, well, you know, I'm going to do my best, but the ball is really in Theo's court. I, I hope that, that Madden understands, like, if he's let go at the end of the season, that Cubs fans eventually will turn the page. They, Hawks fans turned the page on Joel Quinville. And I didn't like the, the way he was fired there, too. But there was a disconnect with egos. And there's a parallel there that we may see before it's all squared away. There was an issue with Quinville in the front office. Quinville's now at Florida. Now with Joe Madden in this situation, he feels confident. But you know that's almost like, hey, you know, I'm doing my best with a wink and a nod. I know that, you know, I could be fired. But, hey, I'm confident that I'll be back. Yeah, no, I think you bring up some good points. I think that's a great analogy with Quinville. Here's a guy that won three championships and eventually was let go. Everybody eventually gets let go, but I guess with Quinville, it came after uh, you know a terrible flame out in the postseason one year, not making it another year, and looking like they weren't going to make it you know this year, and they didn't even after he left. So there was failure, more definitive failure in his final couple years under Quinville. We haven't seen definitive 
failure. To me, not making the postseason is definitive failure, and that's why I wrote at the All-Star break, it should come down to that. If he makes the postseason, he continues on. If he doesn't, they move on. Maybe the message is stale, whatever the case may be. I think that is a perfect criteria for Joe Madden. Not winning the World Series, just making the postseason. So until um, I hear something different, I think that should be the criteria, but maybe it won't be. Maybe it won't be. What's your letter grade for Castiano so far since he's been with the ball club? Oh, that's got to be an A. I mean, the way he's swinging the bat and his attitude and his uh, 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 just everything about him, his energy, uh, that, I don't, if he's not an A, well, who is? I mean, 10 extra base hits in his first, uh, what was it, eight or nine games with the team. You know, slowed down a tiny bit in the last couple of games against the Reds because he didn't hit home runs. But um, really good uh, all around. That, if that's not an A, I don't know where you'd find an A for a midseason pickup. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So I, I watched yesterday's game, Jesse, with John Lester on the mound. And, you know, it's, it's funny how Lester and Chris Sale, amongst others, are so alike. There could be just a slip-up where the pitch is not exactly where they want it, or they don't get the call third strike where they want it, or they feel like they're getting squeezed. And, and, and usually this happens early. Then the pitcher gets red-faced. Then they're pissed off at the umpire. Yesterday it was Angel Hernandez, and, and I know Angel Hernandez is not a good umpire, but at the same time, John Lester, even though the line will look at, you look at the line and say, you know, it wasn't so bad. The point is that he threw a lot of pitches, and you could tell that he was red-faced, and, and it was going after Hernandez because he didn't get the inside pitch. When you see Lester like that, do you feel like it's concentration? Is it personal or is it mechanical? Um, no, it's, it, it's, it, it's no, nothing to do with the umpire. That, that just is the, the, uh, an emotional moment when that happens. I mean, his outing has nothing to do with the umpire. But in that moment, he's going to show his emotions. And he pro- you know, here's the good thing about Lester. He channels those emotions in the right way. Uh, when he has a bad inning, when he has a bad moment, usually, usually he comes back and he can have a quicker inning, or he can adjust to the umpire or what the other team is doing. Especially er- after an early moment, like in the first inning, he a lot of times he uses the first inning to to measure what the other team's strategy is against him. Are they aggressive? Are they waiting? Are they sitting on a certain pitch? And then he will adjust. So it doesn't matter if it's the umpire. It doesn't matter if it's the opposing team. He usually channels things the right way. Now. A couple starts ago, he was just not executing. It doesn't matter. You know, he can't channel anything if your stuff isn't very good. But I thought yesterday he started to channel it better, and I think he's going to be better down the stretch as the games become more important because that's what John Lester's been. Now, one of these years, he won't be. He'll, he'll fade into, you know, whatever, into John Lackey world, right? He'll go out in the boat and start fishing and hunting, and that'll be it. But until that comes, I think you are, you are better off betting on Lester than against him as the moments become bigger. He just, he, well, you saw the game. I don't have to go over, you know, go over chapter and verse with you, but he wasn't getting the inside pitch. And I think that you're right. He was able to overcome it because even though that wasn't a Lester like performance, it was still good enough to keep the Cubs in the ball game yesterday. Yeah, it did. That, that, right. And that's hopefully at his worst. Like, that should be his worst. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're a Cub fan, you want that to be his worst, not what we saw a couple starts ago. He can be even better than that. And again, you're not wrong. If he's, he, he needs a little help here and there. He needs the umpire to be calling exactly what he needs because he loves to come inside to righties. He knows he needs to. When he doesn't execute inside against righties, he gets hit. When the umpire doesn't call the, the inside pitch, he gets hit. He gets beat. He's not you, Darvish. He's not good enough to overcome some of these other things. 
But uh, if yesterday is the worst of John Lester, then that's not so bad. And I think Cub fans will take that. You know what, Jesse? I, I like, well, you wonder where some of this mineral relief was early in the season, but they didn't have a Phelps and a Wick to go to early. I like what I see from those two. What, what do you think of those two, Phelps and Wick? Oh, I, I really like Wick. And I, I, I saw this early on, that there was something there more than just the regular, let's call a guy up and fill a spot. You know what I mean? Like, they, they've, they've rotated several guys from AAA. He definitely stood out early on. So that, that thing has some staying power, at least for this season, I believe. You saw what he did yesterday. That was big boy time. Two innings against the heart of the Reds lineup. No doubt about it. Um, I, I like that Phelps has been in big moments. I don't know if his stuff is like right there yet, but we saw he came in the ninth inning and gave up a long fly ball to get the save, and it barely stayed in the park, but it did stay in the park. You know, Long fly ball outs still count. I, I don't know if he's quite there. He's had like 18 innings coming back from Tommy John surgery. I, I, I don't think they prefer him in the eighth or ninth inning role holding a lead. It's just you know by necessity he might have some of those moments. So we're not. We're, I think it's still the jury is out on Phelps. Where what we're seeing out of Wick isn't luck. The stuff is that good. His makeup is 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 backing up his stuff. He's he's shown some wherewithal on the mound. Uh, throwing out a lead runner at third in Milwaukee. I thought that was that was huge. Joe talked about that as well. So um, I like that Phelps has been there before, but I like the stuff that Wick is bringing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the rest of the schedule, Jess? We got Philly and then the Pittsburgh. Yeah, this is, uh, again, it, you look at the Cubs and you would think on paper, Cubs should be able to be good enough against these two opponents, but you never know. So what are your expectations? Well, look, my bar has been lowered um, on the road. Uh, if they go 500 the rest of the way, they have six games, three and three. I think everybody would be fine with that. I like the fact that Phillies played a Sunday night game coming back from a West Coast trip. Sometimes you're a little wonky when you come back in that first game. Cubs finally won the first game of a series on the road in Cincinnati. It's been a long time since they've done that. I, I like the matchup tomorrow. Um, Katana got jumped by Philly uh, a year or two ago, but since then he's pitched better against them, so I think they have a better game plan. Um, so winning that first game could really make that, you know, feel, feel good about yourself a little bit. Pittsburgh's interesting. We know they're, they're terrible right now. They've lost eight in a row. But that weekend series with the Williamsport thing, I think that all bets are off with the records. And let alone the fact that the Cubs are still, what, 23 and 35 on the road. So you you, you got to kind of look at things a little differently knowing that record. It, it It's not going to be pretty on the road. It hasn't been yet. Why would it change? I don't know. So 3-3 three and three with ugly wins, pretty wins, whatever the case may be, I think would be a – healthy way to finish this week off and then you know keep on extending yourself at home i mean i i don't know what else to say it'd be great to go four and two or better but i just couldn't make that prediction right now for a typical baseball jesse just manfred just someone needs to sit down with manfred and make him understand like you know the nba schedule comes out the same day the major league baseball schedule comes out for 2020 i mean what the hell can't you have weird. your own day? So weird, Look, man. Everything about baseball is different, and we have to sort of accept that. They have the draft during games, during the season. When do they do Every other sport, the draft is offseason. They have the Hall of Fame ceremonies while games are going on. Every other sport has its own moment, right? Baseball's just different that way. So, yeah, the 2020 schedule's out. But I think most fans like that. And what do you think about that? those 640 weeknight start times before and after you know, before Memorial Day, after Labor Day. So April and September, 640 home weeknights. What do you think? I, I, well, you know what? 
because of the, you know, we used to complain about the shadows, you know, after 305 <laughs> or at 6 o'clock. Yeah. That's not really the issue anymore, though, because of the, the lights are a lot better. 640, I mean, again, it's like it's like the um, it's like the White Sox fan that would complain about, hey, you know, I got to get to to church. You know, can you can you change this? The Sunday starts at two o five, so I can get right. out of mass. It's the same thing here. Six forty. You know, you get out of work. Five. You know, five o'clock. You know, five thirty. You're trying to rush into the ballpark. You like you like to settle in at seven. Six forty. A little bit. Of, a little bit of a difference there. Well, a couple couple things. First of all, obviously, people coming from the suburbs won't like it as much. It's twenty oh. minutes less. But look, it's only twenty minutes. Let's say you play. Let's say you normally get there at game time when there's a seven o'clock game. If you continue to get there at seven, you're missing one inning. Not the worst thing in the world. But I think the key is also it's 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 April and September baseball when school's in session. You might bring your kid to a six forty game. I mean, that extra half hour can make a difference on the back end. And the way these games go, unfortunately, you can see a four hour nine inning. Five to three game, where that used to be reserved for eleven to ten three times a year. So I, I think if you're trying to continue with the younger generation, school is in session in April and September. Six forty works for me. That's my so opinion. Def- well, definitely for you, pal, because you can get to the bars quicker. I mean, that's that's your that's your angle. That used to be my thing ten years ago. Now I can get to bed quicker when the gift the games end earlier. I'm all for that. So, and other teams have done it already. By the way, there's a lot of six forty starts around the league during uh, the school school months. Not so much in the middle of summer. In fact, Cincinnati was six forty, and then just this past week it was seven ten because we're in the middle of summer. Yeah, I, I I get it. I get it. I just yeah. I just don't want you know the, the the people from Evanston having a hard time getting through because they used to the seven o'clock starting. I get off of work <laughs> earlier, you know, four 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 thirty to do, get in the ballpark. Yeah, I do think it's sad that that they almost have to plan for three and a half four hour games now, though, and that's the major reason for doing this. You know that baseball you, you is is gone this direction that the games are going to last forever. So we want you out of there before you know midnight really so 640 at least helps i i mean the fact that they've done it on the road so i i felt the difference and it does feel it does feel like you're getting out out of there a lot earlier when you start at 640 compared to 705 even though it's only 25 minutes it does feel on the back end a lot earlier by the, by the way before i ask you one other question are you surprised that the white Sox were able to score that game against the yankees at the field of dreams in Dyersville, because um, uh, not the Cubs, but the White Sox getting that game in, in Dyersville, Iowa. Yeah, I guess I guess when you think about it, and the fact that the Cubs have their Triple A team there, um, it, yes. But I don't know the politics behind it at all. I haven't studied it. I'm sure there was all sorts of stuff going on with the ownership, Reinsdorf and the Steinbrenners. Who knows? But with the Cubs Triple A team in Iowa, you would think that would make you know the most sense. But yeah, so I guess I am a little surprised if it was going to be a Chicago team. I would think it'd be the Cubs, but of course they're in London. So how many marquee things can they have in one season? So I guess it, you know, for whatever reason, obviously the White Sox are part of that movie. You know, the Field of Dreams movie, Shulis Joe mm-hmm. Jackson. So it makes sense on that level for them. Yeah, uh, uh, and they're going to split the gate, right? Fifty-fifty, <laughs> right? With just make it sure. The Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, is that the story? I don't even know. No, I'm just asking. Like, it's, I think they're building an eight thousand seat, you know, stadium. But, so but it's got to be some. Isn't it the White Sox home game? So I would think they get it, but I don't know. I'm just saying, an eight thousand yeah. seat ballpark. I mean, how much money are you going to make? They're probably going to charge you know four hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> That's true. That's, I didn't think about that. Yes. Right. Well, you know, I think that um, you know, with Labor Day right around the corner, Jesse, you know, there's always <laughs> an opportunity for a nice gift. 
for someone for Labor Day. Do you have any ideas? Well, since Joe Madden's in the news with that column and uh, what he said over the weekend, I think Try Not to Suck is, is a good book to read. In fact, the other reporters standing with me were asking a lot about Joe's history, and I was thinking, hey, guys, pick up the book. It's right in there. You know, you can read about his history. You don't have to ask him about it before a game. Um, but... Uh, Try not to suck the definitive bio on Joe Madden available at Amazon and other places. Does not shock me at all that you try to sell a book to your fellow reporters for in- <laughs> yes. for info. That doesn't surprise me at all. I should have just pulled it out of my backpack. I had it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as always, I appreciate it, Jesse. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the rest of this road trip with the Cubs and see if they can continue their winning ways. Split against the, the Reds, a little shaky, but now you, maybe you can get up some momentum here on the road for once. Yeah. Yeah, let me just say one thing about it. It's just so weird. This team is so hard to figure. I thought the opening win Thursday night was would, would provide some sort of boost, and they lose the next couple nights, including one bad one. And then they escape with a win on Sunday, like just when you think all is lost. So I don't know what to make of it, right? I, I don't have any confidence in them on the road, but I still have confidence in this team, which means at some point they have to win some more road games. But, again, if they go 3-3 three and three the rest of the week, I think every Cub fan should be happy with that. Thank you, my friend, as always. You too, Jay. Take care. There he is, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. One question is next. Hey, yo, Jay Hood. Talk that barbershop talk, dude. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? I am number one. Number one. Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. Indeed, it is time for one question with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I told Eric, I said, look through your phone book. Look through the names. Go through the R's. Go through the L's. Go through the M's. Go through the S's. And so he goes through the S's. I go, stop right there. Right there. S, S, Sam, Sam Panionovich. There he is. NBC Sports Gambling Analyst and also the voice of the Chicago Dogs. My colleague at the UIC Flames for many years doing UIC Flames basketball. Sam Panionovich joins us on one question right here on Under the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. Sam, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. I'm ready, Hurry. Sam, uh, here's your question. All right, are you ready? Are you seated? Are you are you comfortable? Are you ready? I'm seated now, yes. Okay, Sam, the one question I have for you is this. I want you to tell me the greatest time that you ever had in Las Vegas. Oh, geez. I, I don't know if I can keep this to six minutes. So the best time I ever had in Las Vegas. There are many. There are many that stand out, shooting <laughs> dice with celebrities, going back to different hotel rooms, and I know that you know that... The whole chapter in the book will be there. <laughs> and listen to all the stories and read all the stories. But the best story is uh, is our guy, Frank Thomas, probably kicking me out of his 50th birthday party. Here's how it goes. So it's at the Palms, and I get a text from Josh Towers, who I'm working with at the time at PC. And Towers says, hey, I know you're a big fan of her. Come to his party. It's over at the Palms. So we go down there having dinner at this fancy restaurant in the Palms. And it's a who's who of former Chicago White Sox race at this party. So we're downstairs in the lobby waiting for everybody to sort of spill out. And I think the party is actually at this restaurant. Well, no, 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 no. The party is at this suite up on top of the Palms. And mind you, I'm wearing a T-shirt with a Captain America logo and a pair of jeans. 
<laughs> Everybody else in this party is wearing a three-piece suit and a hat with a feather coming out of it. So I am I am underdressed to say the least. So we got this suite at the Palms, and Towers says, no, no, it's all good, it's all good, don't worry about it. I said, Josh, this probably is not going to work out well. I look like I'm going trick-or-treating, not going to a fancy birthday party. So we get up there, and, and we sort of sneak in, and Towers says, oh, yeah, this is my guy. And I have a friend with me who's dressed even poorly, even more poorly than I am. He's got a, a T-shirt with a, a button-down shirt and a backwards Raiders cap on. So we look like we are not even in the vicinity of what we should look like going to a 50th birthday party in Las Vegas. That's the penthouse suite of a hotel. We get up there, and we're playing horse with Jermaine Dye and Carl Everett. And let me tell you, Jermaine Dye still has a banger for a jump shot. He can still put it through the net, to yeah. say the least. So we're out there, we're shooting hoops or whatever, and all of a sudden, Frank's brother comes over and says, uh, yeah, who the hell are you? And I point at Josh Towers and said, well, I'm with him. And Towers looks at me and says, no, don't, no, I'm not, you're not with me, you're not with me. So Frank comes up and says, yeah, I don't know who the hell you are, but you got to leave. I said, hurt, listen. I said, I said that we don't mean any harm. We're up here, we're hanging out. I'm from Chicago. I don't give a damn. Okay, all right. We, and mind you, Frank and I have met five times on the set of CSN Chicago, now NBC Sports Chicago. He's my favorite player of all time. They always say, never meet your heroes, never meet your idols. And that was one uh, That was one experience, to say the least, getting thrown out mid-game when my friend and I were about to beat Jermaine Dye and Carl Everett and Horst. We were about to beat them, hoodie. They were on S. They were on S. And I get the boot from the big hurt and his big brother, they don't like the white boys in there showing up their jump shot. That's probably my favorite story to date, and I'll tell you more the next time I see you. <laughs> I got so many questions, but there's I can only ask you one question, and that's what we do here. There, my friends, is one question. Hey, yo, Jay Hood, run that back. Give them the info they need.